And we're back to the brand new season of Everyday Courage. This season, we're talking about this idea of building a business, a side hustle, a creative life, and sharing that on the internet. You know, this idea that the internet's amazing because you can find your customers, you can connect with your audience, but it's also a little terrifying. And I would say when people are thinking about building a business, or doing anything online creatively, you know, we start with this whole pile of doubts and fears and concerns. So my new book is coming out, Fire the Haters, Finding the Courage to Create Online in a Critical World. And I'm so excited to tell you guys about it. It's out October 12th, tomorrow. (laughs) You can find it everywhere. But I wanted to talk about this book from the creative entrepreneur standpoint, but also just from a life standpoint. So I invited my good friend, August, who's a writer and kind of my, my best bud, back to the show to help us talk about this. Thank you so much for coming back. I am so excited. Thank you. It's always fun to talk with you about all your cool, creative, amazing, life-changing ideas. So you're like who I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> I mean, I grow up, but it's good to have goals. It's good to have goals. Oh my gosh. So the book I divided into three sections. The first section is kind of our life online, but also it's a lot about boundaries and being clear with people, creating rules for yourself and for your work. And I feel like that first section, there's a lot of crossover to life. Like I tried to apply it in the book to creative and entrepreneurial work, but in reality, a lot of these lessons were born just out of my personal life. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely agree. When I was reading the first section in particular, that was my reaction of, I wish I had understood a lot of these things 40 years ago, (laughs) life easier. And I loved how you talk about Brene Brown, that being clear is being kind. Just Mm -hmm. that lesson alone, definitely in an online world where you're setting boundaries and rules for your creative expression or your product or your business or whatever makes sense. But talk about applying in real life and can't remember who it was probably Brene Brown who said that unspoken expectations just lead to resentment. And I see that in my personal life as well as online. I mean, if you aren't clear with your audience that you are willing to talk about politics, but not sports and everyone's talking about the football game and you get grumpy and mad and start kicking people off and yelling at them, that's not fair. And everyone ends up resenting the situation. So I do think that there's a lot of cross applications to that. One of the things that I was thinking when we were reading is you talk about here when you're talking about boundaries and rules that you're setting up rules for yourself of like how you engage with the world. And then it seemed like you were saying then you were going to take those rules and then apply them to how you interact with the broader world. Can you tell me more about what you were thinking when you were writing that, I guess? Yeah, I think it's so tough, kind of like clear as kind, like other people can't know your rules for you. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes when I feel pulled in a lot of directions, when I feel frustrated, when I feel disappointed and burned out, 90% of the time it's because I didn't make a rule for myself. Or I didn't communicate that clearly. Like I knew it in my head, but I didn't actually tell anyone (laughs) else. And so I think it's in 
especially in your business, but there's a crossover in our life. You know, I just came back from a conference and one of my rules at conferences is I try to get eight hours of sleep. Whether that means going to bed early, whether that means sleeping in a little bit, but as an introvert, I know I bring my best self if I'm well rested. And so I have to kind of create those rules and communicate those, you know, when someone texts me at like 11 o'clock at night, like, hey, where are you? Like, we're all down at the hotel bar. Like, you should be here. And I'm like, I'm in my jam jams. I'm going to bed. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So one of your roles then is to be well rested. You and I have talked about that you have rules about like how much time you will give a specific activity or Mm -hmm. how deeply you will go. Could you talk more about that? It's something I found really valuable as well. Yeah, I think it it's so easy to just try to meet everyone else's expectation and then realize that you're not focusing on the things that you need to be focusing on. So like around my email, I give about 30 minutes a day to emails and I try to respond to every person who emails me. Like that is my hope. But I know, because I had to create this rule for myself, that I have 30 minutes a day. That's what works in my creative family, you know, this craziness that is my life. So there are times when it'll take three or four weeks for me to respond, you know, to, to a fan email or something. But there again, you have to know those for yourself first. You have to know what keeps you working and productive and happy I don't read any comments mm. that aren't on like my site or a close friend site. News article won't even open it. And <laughs> unless they send it to me ahead of time before it gets published mm-hmm. to proof, I won't read it once it goes live because there will be errors. <laughs> Just mm. fun fact for the audience, anytime there's a news article online, there's things that are incorrect because they got miscommunicated or misheard or misremembered. And the writer and the editor aren't going to go back and fix those. So like, I don't even want to know. I don't even want to know what was said. I don't even want to know how it came out. Like, I did my very best to communicate the story. And then I have to release it. You have a quote, I think it's in this section of the book, where an author said that he never read his reviews of his Mm -hmm. books, because what was the point? The book was written, the book was published. Even if somehow the review made him rethink something, what the hell was he going to do with that now moving forward? And so I I thought that that was really powerful. And then the comment section is the same thing. I mean, (laughs) once it's out there, it's out there. Which brings me to one of your concepts of let your work do your work. So you've published, like, so I'm a writer, so for me it's a publication, but whatever your, your creative entrepreneurship is. So you write something and you publish it. I mean, if it's on your blog, I guess you could change it. But even then, like it's there and you have this concept of, okay, so you've created your work and you've sent it out and it's not who you are and you need to let it do your job. Could you kind of delve into both of those things a little bit? You know, it's so easy, especially if your work is born out of your taste, out of your creativity, out of your expertise out of your story, out of your ideas, out of your personality. Like it feels like it's part of us. It feels like a little mini extension of us, like an Mm -hmm. appendage that's out there somehow connected to us. 
which isn't really helpful. You know, a lot of these ideas, it's uncovering the ideas that just aren't helpful. They're not going to serve us. They're not going to serve our work well. And then the continuation of that idea, if we can kind of create some separation, is that people view it as their baby, which Mm -hmm. if you sent your baby out into the world on its own big wide internet and it was being attacked, like you have to come to its defense. Like that's just not, it shouldn't have a job. Babies should not have jobs. They should just (laughs) stay at home and be protected. So while you're tinkering with your work behind the scenes, it can be your baby. But just like my kids, I get, you know, 18, 22 years of them in the house to help them, mature them, develop them as much as they possibly can. But then like when they graduate from college, Mm -hmm. we throw a big party, we have balloons, we wave goodbye, we say best of luck in your adult life, (laughs) enjoy your first job. And like, you have to let it go. Yeah, My kids are going to go off and they're going to do their job. Mm -hmm. And I can't be there tinkering with it. Like, I can't be there defending my adult children in their place of work. Like, hey, did you say something mean to my kid? Like, it's weird. Yeah, It's weird. So even with this book, like, we're going to throw, like, a graduation party and maybe do balloons and just wave it off into the sunset and say, you're grown. You're not a baby. You're grown. You're going to go out. You're going to do a job. And that job... It's going to interact with people. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to it's going to do things out in the world. Give it a copy of like Dr. Seuss's Oh the places you will go and just like wish it wish it well in its adult life. But you don't follow it around. You don't micromanage. You don't helicopter parent. If someone attacks it, you just think you're grown. Like you can I raised you to deal with that. Whether that's a product or a service or a book, you know, it's, you can't, you can't protect things online. So if it's not grown, don't ship it. And if you did it anyway, move on. Yeah. Yeah. It's over. It's over. Let it go out and make a ruckus. I think this brings us to your concept of giving yourself the gift of being misunderstood. Mm -hmm. Because when we're letting our work out into the world, it's going to go out. We're, we're going to follow your advice. We're going to go let it do its job. We're not going to read the comments or reviews and people are going to get it wrong. Sometimes intentionally, if they're like the jackasses that you talk about in your book and sometimes just because they're confused or like you say, your work is going to run up against other people's work, their stuff too, right? Like, so this is coming out of who you are and they're reading it through their lens and you can't You can't change who they are and you can't really change your reader's experience with your work once it's gone. So you talk about then allowing yourself the gift of being misunderstood. Where did that come from? Because that's so good. Yeah, you know, there again, born out of personal life first. I was recently at an event and I gave a talk. It's like so depressing. So there's maybe 50 people in the audience. And I said, okay. Who has friends and family who totally get what you do? They're super supportive. They understand your work and they're just really encouraging. One person raised their hand. Ouch. But yeah, I'm trying to figure out if I, other than you, my list is really (laughs) short. (laughs) You know, 
on the other side, who has friends and family that like don't really get it? They don't understand. They're not super supportive. They're just not even sure what you're doing or why you're doing <laughs> this. Like, and then it was like pretty much every other hand in the room. And these aren't just like new content creators. Like some of these were business owners. Some of these were like, there was one person in the room that had sold their company for an obscene amount of money, like really established people. And mm-hmm. friends and family in their life still don't, they don't really get it. And so I went through some of these ideas of like, not not everyone has to be everything to you. Mm. You you can have different people in your life who fulfill different functions, who do get it, who are supportive, who understand your industry or your niche or who are your biggest cheerleaders. And so you can kind of let some of those friends and families off the hook. Like you don't have to fulfill this mm-hmm. role in my life. But the other thing is that sometimes they don't want to understand. Mm. You know, someone came up to me afterwards and was like, okay, all that's cool, but how do I like make them be supportive? Ooh. And I'm like, man, if I could, if I had the secret potion for you making your family and friends change <laughs> when they don't want to change, I would be a very rich woman. Um, you know, do they want to understand and do they want to be supportive? Because sometimes we're trying to sell an idea, we're trying to sell a choice that we've made. We're trying to sell this vision for our life. And like, they're not interested in buying. We're giving more information and more information and trying to explain and trying to justify. But like, they ain't asking any questions. I don't like that idea is not a question. (laughs) It's not an invitation to receive more information. That is so good. I struggle in a lot of places in my life where if only you understood, you would agree. Yes. And I get on both sides of that. You know, I'll be in a conversation with someone and they will feel the need to explain something to me two, three, 17 times with different metaphors and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I really understand. I just still think it's stupid. Yeah. I try to say it nice (laughs) from that, right? But that's what's in my head. But I know that I do the other side of it. Like you're saying that you're trying to sell your life choices or your product or whatever else. And it's hard sometimes to stop. And so the idea of giving yourself the gift of being misunderstood or even understanding, you may not be misunderstood. They may just not like it. And that's okay too, because not everyone is your inner circle of your mm-hmm. cheerleaders. Not everyone is going to be a client. Not everyone is going to be a fan and everyone gets their own thing. You know, it's tough enough in our interpersonal relationships Online, it takes it to a whole nother level in that you can't you can't go around trying to force people to understand. Like you mentioned, like the dumbasses on on the internet like will persist in misunderstanding you mm-hmm. just to like watch you suffer under the weight mm-hmm. of being misunderstood. <laughs> you know, I even I had a um I had a tweet, and this was the first time this has happened, that kind of went viral in 50% of a bad way. 50% of the retweets were negative. Like, she's an idiot. This is a horrible choice. Like, way to ruin your life. Just, yeah, just like super negative. Really personal. And the thing is, like, I didn't care. Because like, they don't have to understand. 
They don't have to get it. They don't have to agree. They don't have to like it. This was, it was actually something about like my life and like one of my personal choices that we had made in our finances. I'm not voting by committee here. (laughs) That wasn't actually what this was about. Like this was a choice I had already made and I was just informing people. So like, you don't have to like it and it doesn't have to be for you. It was so funny because the situation was I had a paid off house and I did a cash out refinance. Two weeks later, one of my friends paid off his mortgage Mm -hmm. and he posted that online. And there again, 50% of the comments are like, he's an effing idiot. And like, this is the worst decision. And I'm like, it's not, you know, not everyone on either side. People are going to strongly disagree with your choice. And that's okay. Like I didn't, and all those retweets, like I didn't, I didn't have to add more information. I didn't have to explain myself. I didn't have to like tell them all the things about my life. Why this, like, Mm -hmm. I'm not selling it. It's already something that's done. Yeah. This reminds me of the part of the book where you talk about when there's the fist fight at the farmer's market, which I love. Like that image for me is great. The people that push over the apple cart, like I've sort of heard that before. I just have this vision of like this brawl with like people in overalls and then like the women with their like recyclable bags, like picking up the organic carrots and then just like this free for all, which is such a great description of what the internet can turn into. Right. Mm -hmm. If you talk about that, especially our kids, well, I guess we were sort of the first internet generation ish Mm -hmm. and we weren't taught how to engage I know how to answer the phone properly because I've been taught that since I was four, but my mom never had to reply to a viral tweet about a cash. Like, do you know what I mean? She doesn't know what Twitter is. Not that I'm far behind her, but (laughs) so we didn't learn. So, you know, I can't teach my kid how to properly engage on Instagram or I was going to say Twitch. That's not a thing. Snap. Like I can't even come up with the names of it. Right. So how (laughs) am I supposed to teach him how to engage in these social media platforms? So when we're putting ourselves out there, not only is it to a much broader audience than we've ever had access to, but it's to people who intentionally misunderstand us, like the jackasses mm-hmm. or think they're CEO of the internet or whatever. And then it's this free-for-all, it's this brawl. And you talked about that if it's a bar brawl, the only thing you can do is turn on the light. You yep. can't start throwing punches as the bartender. So... I bring that up as a way for you to tell me more about growing up in bars as a young <laughs> teenage girl in Montana. You could go there if you want. Or like how how you were able to finally pull back from that. I mean, did you were you just hatch knowing like you shouldn't engage with online Twitter wars no. or was this hard one? That that was a hard one. Like the first story that I share in the book about this article that went on a curation site and for those who don't know, the writers rarely pick the titles mm-hmm. of their pieces. Titles are typically chosen by editors, but not the writer. So the editor for my piece picked a very shaming title. And people read that shaming title and <laughs> went directly to the comment section and like just laid into me. 
kind of rightfully so, because it was a very shaming title. Which you would have never picked. Never. It didn't even really, honestly, the title didn't even really make sense. It was just clickbaity. Like if you read the article, people were like, yeah, that title's really fit. But you can have these kind of, you know, I call it like a farmer's market brawl because these are all like calm, normal, everyday type of people on the surface. Like they're not mm-hmm. a they're not a suspect for like chaos is about to break out. But if you get something that shames a whole group of people, that triggers a whole group of people, like a fight, you know, like you mentioned, like it will kick over someone's apple cart and a fight will <laughs> ensue. And so I did everything wrong. Mm. Like I, I was telling this story to another content creator and I like I went through all the things she did and the look of horror on her face like, oh my God, you didn't. And I was like, I did. Like it was bad. And part of that is like I was trying to explain in the comments and I was trying to like add more information and I was trying to like correct people. And I was basically trying to micromanage their experience. Mm. And along with the gift of being misunderstood is knowing the difference between the function of marketing and letting people have their opinion. Like, I might be able to convince you to go to a movie, but after you see that movie, you're going to think and feel about it whatever you want. Mm -hmm. And I actually have very little say in that. I can't be like, no, no, actually, you did like it. No, actually, you did think it was really smart and clever. (laughs) And let me explain in seven different ways why you liked it and you're just unaware of that. Yeah. And so it's kind of like letting people misunderstand, letting people think and feel however they want to about something without feeling like we need to get in the weeds with them. Mm -hmm. And like I talk about in the book, like... Yeah, I've seen a number of fistfights in bars, and the number one rule in a bar fistfight is, like, the bartender who's in charge of the situation cannot start throwing punches. Mm -hmm. Like, everything goes badly after that. Like, all sane people just, like, sneak out the back because nothing good is going (laughs) to happen. Um, You just have to turn on the lights and kind of, like, you know... Online, sometimes it's removing the bad actors that are, like, stirring things up. But oftentimes, I'm kind of of the opinion, if people want to understand, they will. If people want to be supportive, they will. And then there's a whole bunch of people who don't want to and are just just here to fight. And, like, if you engage in that, you're only taking time and energy and attention away from your actual work. Mm. And it's a full-time job to like fight online and correct people's misunderstanding online. So you can do that job or you can create. Probably don't have time to do both. Because the the online crushing people is never going to be successful. Because like Mm -hmm. you said, if people want to understand, they will. And these people that are starting these fights aren't asking the questions. As you're saying, they're not saying, so what did you mean by this? They're coming out Mm -hmm. swinging. So why stand there and scream the answer at them? Yeah. That for me brings up, you talk about trigger warnings and bruises, which I see as Mm -hmm. sort of like two sides of the same coin. One of the things I wanted to say is someone who has her own triggers. I am so grateful that in this book that you talk about how important it is to put a trigger warning. Mm -hmm. I, I know that there's a dialogue about, Lots of things 
and whether it's a good idea or not. So I just wanted to say as a reader, thank you for putting that in there to remind people that we all have our stuff. Um, I do think it's really important. So personal opinion, sorry, off my soapbox. Okay. But the other thing was you were talking about your own bruises and giving yourself sort of a wide range around that, which gets back to the setting your own rules and being clear about your boundaries. Mm -hmm. Because you talk a little bit more about how all of that plays together. I consider some triggers are like a deep bruise in that you've been hurt, you've been injured at some point in your life, but enough time has passed that on the surface, Mm -hmm. it looks okay. On the surface, you can't see the bruise anymore. But if someone intentionally or accidentally with their thumb pushes very hard on that exact spot, the person will cry out in pain. And it might seem random because, you know, you can't see that hurt any longer. You know, unfortunately, content creators, small businesses, entrepreneurs, everyone else, we're people. And like we have our own stuff. We still, these deep bruises can take years and years and a lifetime to fully heal And so you're probably going to walk around, you know, if you've been through some stuff in your life, you're going to probably walk around with some of these deep bruises. And so you can create a wide circle around that. And especially in the last section of the book, I talk about you have to take this quote from Brian Harris. He said, when you're starting a new project, there's one thing you have to optimize for, not quitting. And if you know one of these deep bruises, like if someone presses on it just right, could cause you to quit, then you need to create a wide circle around that. I had a friend who has a deep bruise around a family issue, and there are certain things that will derail her, you know, knock her off her game for like a couple days. And so she has her assistant go through all of her comments on her site and delete anything that is like that. People go through their social media and anything that, you know, I talk about you make a thing, you make the rules. Anything Mm -hmm. that's against the rules gets deleted. Those people get blocked. They get removed. You know, you, you don't have to engage with the thing that will hurt the most. I love the idea of not only online, but again, how much this relates to real life. I think if speaking for myself, if I had my own boundaries about what I'm willing to engage in or not, Mm -hmm. and was able to really hold those as firmly as I know I need to, I think I can move through life a little bit more smoothly. And I know in places where I have done that and said, okay, this situation or this relationship is outside of what I'm comfortable with. Like I keep getting bruised. Why do I keep going back? These people are always going to misunderstand me. They're the dumbasses of my life, right? Not the internet, just the dumbasses of my life. And I am not a dumbass whisperer either. So to set those boundaries and say, okay, but I love the idea of expressing them when you're in this online environment. Um, I used your advice. I had something published, did not pick the title. The title (laughs) is very clickbaitable. And there was this whole flurry of, what you need to do because the title basically said that I was asking for parenting advice, which I can guarantee you I was not asking the general public for parenting advice. And if you read the piece, nowhere did I say, what should I say? So 
it was all, and it was like, there's people that obviously just read the title and anyway, Mm-hmm. I did end up going back and reading the comments, but after they were closed, so I yeah. couldn't engage. Yeah, it was shut off, so that was great. But when I posted it on my private social media page, I had a big rule because I read your book that said, "Look, any comments that are of a political nature at all will be immediately deleted." Yeah, but I felt okay about doing that, even though I wasn't pleasing people, because I'd said up front, "Like you're out." I'm done. Yeah. Like, and so that felt really good. Yeah. I have two things I want to say before. Okay. Two things. Related to that quote that you talked about, about your goal is to just not stop. Mm-hmm. One of the most powerful pieces that you have was the comment that every creator at some point will be told to stop. Yeah. That was really empowering to me. You know, I have a, I have a master's in writing, which was not very helpful, but there were people that were like, why are you doing this? And it was so hard and it stopped my project because I felt like I wasn't good enough or I wasn't ready or whatever else. And bottom line, it was one person, you know, mm-hmm. in that moment. And I'm so glad that I was able to step away, but it was really good to hear that every creator goes through this because I think sometimes you feel so isolated as a creator and you're the mm-hmm. only one that people don't like. And so I love that you have brought that up for all of us. The other thing is the title. Can we talk about the title, Fire the Haters? <laughs> I sort of want that tattooed on my arm because I feel like it just applies. It can apply in so many places. I mean, not only in the internet when you're like, fire the CEO of the internet, don't be a dumbass whisper and all the rest of it. But just the idea of being able to set boundaries mm-hmm. everywhere in your life, whether it's professional personal or your family really personal (laughs) but just to give yourself the option of saying no like this is you're not value added I need it to be reciprocal I need there to be value for all of us and if not bye don't let the door hit you on the way out yeah you know now you say that I I agree that in that empowerment that if someone chooses Whatever relationship they are with you, if they in choose mm-hmm. choose to engage with you as a hater, I talk about you know kind of this definition of bad actors, the mm-hmm. the contentious, the turbulent individuals. Like if that's the role they want to play in your life, you have the power to set a boundary and be like, actually, no haters allowed. <laughs> like. Yeah, yeah. Like that's not, you know, we talk about the little boundary, like a little fence around the garden. Like you get to decide what's allowed in Mm -hmm. and you can just put up a little sign. No haters. You don't have to accept people's bad behavior. And you can still love them. For a while I got to work with indigenous communities in Africa and it was amazing what they wanted grant money for. And it was one of those grants where you could ask for anything that would help the community. What we kept getting grants for were protective barriers around the gardens from the elephants. Mm-hmm. And elephants are a huge part of an indigenous culture that grew up around elephants. It wasn't that they didn't love the elephants. It mm-hmm. wasn't that in some ways they didn't consider them family in a lot of ways. They were really bad for the gardens. Yeah. Really bad for the gardens. And it was a choice of protecting the gardens or not eating. So they did. Now, their fence was not a cute little picket fence. It had a lot of thorns and spiky things in it, but it it was effective, right? We have to do it differently, right? Like, I can't 
block a family member. I mean, I can block them on social media, but even if in my head I'm just like, you know, it's just like I don't need to comment. I don't need to engage. Mm -hmm. I don't think I can walk through my you know, my next family ring going, and you're fired, and you're <laughs> fired, and you were never hired to start with. But, um, I love that. Anyway. I love that. You can love the elephants, but you don't have to let them destroy your garden. Trash your garden. Exactly. Yeah. And elephants are beautiful and wonderful. Not in my garden. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much, August, for being here, for and this, guys, this is just section one of the book. We haven't even gotten to the next two sections. So and I'm so excited. So good. <laughs> so okay. excited about this season. For anyone who's like, is thinking about doing something, making a change, doing something untraditional, doing something that people might not understand, whether that, like last season is a mini retirement, a whole bunch of people ain't going to get that, or creative work or a side hustle or just a new job transition. Like, how do we navigate? going into new spaces. So August will be back and we will we will continue this conversation. Just remember, you don't have to be perfect to make progress. You just have to be a little bit more courageous every day because adventure awaits.